The new year is upon us and many of us look forward to the new year with excitement. With the new year comes hope, hope that things will be different and better for us than the previous year. One of the components of a better year is who and what we receive advice from on the decisions we make. Join us and our lead pastor, Brian Lane, as we get advice on getting advice. So as we're heading out of the old year and into the new, how many of you said 2017 was a year for you that you love, that you remember, that you can't, you're, you're disappointed it's ending? Is there anybody in here that says, man, 2017, what an awesome year? One person. Okay. Well, so that means the rest of you are like, dear God, 2018 can't get here fast enough. Is that correct? Okay. 2017 was a rough year. Well, regardless of where you stand in that position, as we come into 2018, I hope you're excited and you're expecting You're excited and expecting what God is going to do in your life, in your family, in everything, everything that's a part of your life. I hope that you are ready and expecting because I believe that God wants to do big things. I believe that God wants to do big things in our personal lives and in our church. I've been talking about it for the last month or so that I really feel like 2018 is going to be a really good year for Fam Church. Even though we're facing some challenges with the the damages we've had to the back of our building and getting those taken care of. But I believe this year is going to be a year of favor and blessing from God. And so in order to move forward into 2018, I want to talk about something that can help us to get to the place where we have the favor of God. And this thing can have such a big impact on our life. And what is this thing that can have such a huge impact on our life as we're moving into a new year? Well, it's where we get our advice from. The voices that we hear, the things that we listen to, the things that speak to us, that tell us where we should go, what we should do, and how we should do it. And so we're going to talk about that this morning. We're going to talk about getting advice. And to discuss that, we're going to look at a man named Rehoboam. Uh, He's not a well-known person, but he was the king of Israel for a short time, and then the king of Judah for about 41 years. And the events we are going to look at are going to be found in the book of 1 Kings. Uh, 1 Kings is about halfway through the Old Testament. If you're not familiar with where it's at, and if you don't have a Bible, you're unable to locate it, we're going to have it on the screen behind me for you to follow along. And we're going to be starting in chapter 11, uh, reading in uh, verses 41, and uh, then going through 1217. Uh, But before we read this, let's get a little bit of background information and what has happened that has brought us to this point of the text that we are reading. And what has happened is Solomon had become king. His father David had passed away, and before he had passed away, uh, he went and he anointed his son Solomon as king. There were several sons that were vying for the throne, but David wanted to make sure that Solomon was the man who was crowned king, and so before he died, he made sure and he anointed Solomon as king. And when Solomon got into the position of king, he started off really well. Okay, his heart was focused on God. As a matter of fact, it's recorded that he, he sat down before God in 1 Kings and, and uh, God said, what do you want? What do you need to govern my people? And the exact words that Solomon prayed to God was, you know what, God, I don't need anything else. I need wisdom to govern your people. And so what happens? You know, Solomon prays that prayer and God says, well, because you are wise enough to ask me for wisdom, I'm going to give you wisdom, but I'm also going to give you money, I'm going to give you power, I'm going to expand your kingdom, and you're going to be one of the most famous kings to ever walk this earth. 
And things started off fine for Solomon as he, as he led his people, but then pretty soon he kind of got caught up in his wealth and his power and his prestige and his, and his personhood. And so he started to do something. He had an issue in his life that his father David also seemed to have. Men, can you relate to this? He had a problem with the women. He liked women a whole lot. Okay? All right. Just try and picture this. Wrap your brains around this for just a minute. He had 700 wives. 700. I know, Maurice, I'm with you, man. But not only did he have 700 wives, he had 300 concubines. What's a concubine? Well, without going into detail because there's kids in a room, uh, it's women that the king could not marry, but he wanted to party with, and so they kind of hung out at the palace, and Solomon kind of partied with these women. So you're talking Solomon had a thousand women at his disposal. Well, the text tells us that as he spent his life chasing these women, slowly these women began to eat away at his faith and his trust and his belief in God until finally they led him completely and totally away from following who God is. And we could go into this this morning and we could talk about this and that one of the most important decisions that you make in your life is who you date and who you marry because they ultimately help to determine your future. And if you marry the wrong person, they can pull you away from where God is taking you. But we will save that message for another day. But because Solomon walked away from God, God removed Solomon as king over the nation of Israel. Well, here's the thing. It wasn't just God who got tired of Solomon and the crazy life that he was living. Uh, the people of Israel, the people of the nation, they got tired of Solomon as well. The people bore a heavy tax burden under Solomon. They were funding his building projects. Further, because his building plans were so aggressive, he ran out of slave labor to use to build the buildings. And so what he had to do was he had to make every male in Israel had to serve one month slave labor for the king working on his projects. That means that for one month, the man was away from home, away from his family, away from his crops, away from his livestock, away from his livelihood, building stuff for the king, and they didn't get anything for it. They didn't get paid for it. And so these guys, of course, were not happy about it. I mean, we wouldn't be happy about it if, we were, uh, if our king had forced us uh, into, uh, into labor that we didn't want to do. And so all of these pressures are upon the nation of Israel, and the foundation is beginning to crack when Solomon passes away. And the Israelites, they're tired of David and his family, and they really want things done, different, def, done differently. Try to say those two words together, huh? And so before we dive in our text, I have a question. Do any of you watch TV shows where they dish out advice? Any Dr. Phil fans in the house today? Okay, any Oprah fans in the house today? How about Susie Orman when it comes to finances? Or maybe Dave Ramsey, and we listen to these people for financial advice. Maybe you sometimes do what I do and go to Google and type in random phrases into Google to see what advice comes back, like, should I punch that person in the face? And you're hoping your Google search will return to you valuable wisdom for the situation that you're in. Um, you know, a few years ago, Duck Dynasty was a really popular show, and they had a character on there 
who always loved to dispense wisdom, and his name was Cy Robertson. If you've watched the show, most of his advice was pretty crazy. On one episode, he was teaching his niece, Sadie, how to drive, and this is how it went down. She's behind the wheel, Cy is sitting in the passenger seat, or no, Cy is driving and she's in the passenger seat and he's showing her how it's done. As they're driving along, they pass this sign that says speed limit 35 miles an hour and they focus the camera on a speedometer and it says 55. So Sadie says to, to her uncle Cy, he says, Cy, the sign said 35 and Cy goes, oh, that's just a suggestion, okay? Then there was another time where he says, uh, listen, when you're driving, do not drive defensively. You always need to be on the offense when you are driving a car. Okay, some of you who've ridden with me probably think I've followed that advice. Um, but, uh, but my favorite piece of advice that he gave her was this. Pedestrians need to watch out or they're going to get run over. So, so as we come into, and I, I kind of think that's a Florida thing because pedestrians don't have as much right-of-way here as they do in other states, I've noticed. Uh, but as we come into the new year, you may be in a spot where you are looking for advice on your life to make your 2018 the best year yet. And so that is what we are going to look at this morning. And so let's turn to our text in uh, 1 Kings uh, chapter 11, starting in verse 40, uh, 41. It says this, uh, as for the other events of Solomon's reign, all he did in the wisdom he displayed, are they not written in the book of the annals of Solomon? Solomon reigned in Jerusalem uh, over all Israel 40 years. Then he rested with his ancestors and was buried in the city of David, his father. And Rehoboam, his son, succeeded him as king. Rehoboam went to Shechem, for all Israel had gone there to make him king. When Jeroboam, son of Nebat, heard this, he was still in Egypt where he had fled from King Solomon. He returned from Egypt. So they sent for Jeroboam, and he and the whole assembly of Israel went to Rehoboam and said to him, Your father put a heavy yoke on us, but now lighten the harsh labor and the heavy yoke he put on us, and we will serve you. Rehoboam answered, Go away for three days and then come back to me. So the people went away. Then King Rehoboam uh, consulted the elders who had served his father Solomon during his lifetime. How would you advise me to answer these people, he asked, asked. They replied, if today you will be a servant to these people and serve them and give them a favorable answer, they will always be your servants. But Rehoboam rejected the advice the elders gave him and consulted the young men who had grown up with him and were serving him. He asked them, what is your advice? How should we answer these people who should say to me, lighten the yoke your father put on us? The young men who had grown up with him replied, these people have said to you, your father put a heavy yoke on us, make our yoke lighter. Now tell them my little finger is thicker than my father's waist. My father laid on you a heavy yoke, I will make it even heavier. My father scourged you with whips, I will scourge you with scorpions. Three days later, Jeroboam and all the people returned to Rehoboam as the king had said, come back to me in three days. The king answered the people harshly, rejecting the advice given him by the elders. He followed the advice of the young men and said, my father made your yoke heavy. I will make it even heavier. My father scourged you with whips. I will scourge you with scorpions. So the king did not listen to the people, for this turn of events was from the Lord to fulfill the word the Lord had spoken to Jeroboam, son of Nebat, through Ahijah the Shilonite. When all Israel saw that the king refused to listen to them, they answered the king, What share do we have in David? What part in Jesse's son? To your tents, Israel, look after your own house. So the Israelites went home, but as for the Israelites who were living in the towns of Judah, Rehoboam still ruled over them. All right, so Solomon, what, what was not explained in the text was Solomon had two sons, Jeroboam and Rehoboam. 
um, Jeroboam really wanted to be king, and he actually tried to take the kingship from his father, but his father pursued him and tried to kill him, but he ended up fleeing to Egypt. And he waited there in Egypt until his father died. And this is an important point in this whole thing uh, and something that we need to understand when we come to the end of this message because he was sitting there laying in wait, waiting for the right opportunity to come in and attack his brother. Um, so the people in Israel come to Rehoboam after his father's death, and they tell him that they want, to be, they want Rehoboam to be their king, but the burden that his father Solomon had placed on them was too intense with the taxes and the forced labor, and that they would be cool with his kingship if he backed off and didn't work them and tax them so hard. The king decides he needs to get some advice on this, and so he goes to the advisors that served his father and had a lot of wisdom. These men told him to back off the people and give them what they were asking for, and if he were to do that, the people would serve him. Well, for some, Rehoboam, for some reason, Rehoboam doesn't like this answer, and so he decides that he's going to go ask his friends what they think. These friends are the friends that grew up with Rehoboam in the king's court. They were wealthy. They were the ones that were spoiled by their parents. They're the ones that directly benefited from and made a lot of money from the way that Solomon had done things. Neither they or their families had had to serve a day of forced labor. And so he goes to his rich, spoiled friends who never had to do a day of hard work in their life and asks them, hey, what would you do in this situation? Their advice is to let the people know that you're way more tough you're way more bad than your father ever was. You're going to make the burden even heavier on them than his father ever did. His finger would be thicker than his father's waist, and he would be more intense than the full weight of his father coming down on him. My father used whips to make you work. Well, guess what? I am going to use scorpions to make you work. The advice sounded awesome to Rehoboam, and so he goes and tells the people. The people basically say, forget you, and they split the kingdom. And as I said, his brother Jeroboam had been watching from a distance, so when he sees all this craziness going on, he steps in and tells those that want to join him that he will lead them as their new king. So 10 of the 12 tribes of Israel break away from Jerusalem to form their own nation. They are still called Israel, two tribes that remain with Jeroboam, Judah, and Benjamin form their own nation called Judah, and two nations move on living their separate lives. And so there's a couple of things that I want us all to see in this text, that I want us all to take away when it comes to asking for advice that will help, ev help keep all of our lives heading in the right direction as we head into the new year. And the first is this, that if you already know what you want the answer to be when you go to somebody to ask for advice, don't even waste your time asking for advice because you're really not seeking advice and instead what you are seeking is affirmation. See, the king knew this before. He knew what he wanted the answer to be before he went and searched out any sort of advice from anyone. His hope was that the people who had served his father and watched his father tax and burden the people so heavily that these men would go, yeah, it went great for pops, and so why don't you continue that theme? Well, what happened was these men had watched for years of what Solomon was doing and the destruction that it brought and the pain and the hurt that it brought to the nation, and they said, you know what, Rehoboam, going a different way than your father did might be a good idea. And so when, Solomon, or when uh, Rehoboam heard that, he just checked out and he said, you know what, forget these guys. They don't know what they're talking about. I've got to go to people who will give me the answer that I am looking for. And this is nothing new. People do this 
all the time. I could cite multiple examples. Dana, it's so funny when she, her sisters will call her for advice and she gives them advice and when they don't, when, when, when they, she gives her advice that they don't want to hear, they get mad at her, they hang up on her, they won't talk to her for a while. I mean, this is kind of how it rolls. My dad, when he decided that he was going to leave my mom, that's how he went down with it. Okay, he's, he's, he's at home and he looks at my mom and my mom has a good job. She can pay all the bills. And so he says, well, you know what? She doesn't need me anymore. I just need to do something different. And so he meets this like 20-year younger blonde lady at work who's got problem teenagers and all this stuff. And my dad's like, this lady needs me. And so when he gets to a place where it's time to ask for advice as to whether or not it's a good plan to leave my mother and go with this other lady or to stay with my mom, he goes to people who have done the exact same thing as he is planning or thinking of doing, and he asks them for advice. And guess what advice they give him? Leave her. And that's what he did. And that's what we do. We like, when we get an idea, when we get a thought, when we get something in our head, we like to think, I'm smart. I know what's going on. And so I just need someone to tell me that I'm making the right decision. We're looking for affirmation. But we can't do that when it comes to asking for advice about situations and circumstances in our life. Instead of coming to a situation and a circumstance with an already preconceived notion in our head of what we want the answer to be, our attitude should be one of an open heart and an open mind where we allow people who know us, who love us, and who care for us to speak into our life to make the right decisions. Because too often, it's just like, I'm the smartest person in the room, and so I know what I'm talking about. No, if you are the smartest person you know, your circle of friends is not very good, okay? And I know that's kind of harsh, but it's not. You need to have people around you that you know are wiser, smarter, and have been through more stuff than you have. See, when I'm looking for advice on the church and how to lead the church, I don't call uh, Pastor Pito, who's been doing youth ministry for a year and a half, and say, how should I do this? I contact somebody who's been doing this for a long time and say, how should I do this? Because I know they're smarter, they're wiser, and they've been through more. But when we think we're the smartest person that we know, We've got a problem and an issue, and it's called pride, and that's something that we can deal with at another point, but that is something that will, because the Bible clearly states that pride comes before a fall. And then a second issue that kind of comes with this is a lot of people, when they've got an idea in their head of what they want to do, and somebody gives them advice that runs to the contrary, they take it as a personal attack. Listen, if somebody gives you advice that's contrary to what you think is right, don't take it as a personal attack. Actually, we should consider that something to mull on and think it over, especially if it's somebody with wisdom, with wise counsel, and cares about your future. They want you to make the best decision possible, and they want you to reap the consequences of making a good decision. 
See, Rehoboam asked people who cared, the men who had served his father. They cared about him. They cared about his father. They cared about the people of Israel. But Rehoboam, he didn't want that. He didn't have time for that. He had already determined the answer that he wanted to hear, and so he kept asking until he got the answer, but the answer that he got led to some unintended consequences. What were those consequences? Ten of the 12 tribes that were part of his kingdom left and went and followed his brother. That's a pretty big price to pay. He lost most of his kingdom because instead of having an open heart and setting his pride aside and listening to what the wise counselors had to say, he decided he was going to do things his own way. Be ready to listen to people who have wise things to say and speak into your life. If you want to make good decisions coming up in the new year as far as the direction of your life, regardless of whether or not you want to hear those directions. And the second thing I see here is this. Be careful of the voices that you listen to. Rehoboam had two different people to choose from. The men who'd been around a long time and seen the results of many decisions and could predict pretty well what happened. And the other group was a group of people who were friends of his. They grew up with him. Now their friend was the king. And as many friends do, they want to tell their friend the answer that will make their friend happy. Because everyone wants their friends to be happy, right? So Rehoboam listened to the people who were younger, not as wise, and only wanted to make their king friend happy. And it's pretty similar to the times that we live in today. People rate and judge everything based on personal happiness. I've had this conversation more times than I, than I can even count, especially when it comes to marriage and divorce, and you ask somebody, why are you divorcing your spouse? And the number one answer that I get is because they don't make me happy anymore. I've asked people who make bad financial decisions and buy things that they can't afford and get deep into debt, how come you bought all that stuff? Well, because that stuff will make me happy. And then I've heard even other people in dating relationships. I've I've known people who've literally stayed in abusive relationships because they said, well, when the person's not abusive, they make me happy. They cheat on me, but when we're together, they make me happy. Can I tell you, the only place that you will ever find happiness is with your life centered in Christ. But still, we chase after happiness. You can clap, Chris. It's all right. Thank you. But still, we chase after it. And try to make other people happy with the things that we say and do. And this is the deal. The temptation for all of us in this room is we're either going to want to make people happy with their words or we're going to want to make people happy. Uh, We're going to either want people to make us happy with their words or we're going to want uh, to make people happy when we talk to them, especially our friends. They know us best and just like Rehoboam's friends, they're going to want to give us advice that will make us happy. There are all kinds of things that would make me happy. Like punching people in the face when they really aggravate me. But for my long-term life, walking around punching people would not be good, would it? 
<laughs> Some of you have lived that life, right? And you've got the jail record to prove it. But see, if I had asked my friends before I was a follower of Christ, if this is a good plan, they'd say, they would have said, heck yeah, and I'll even help you punch them. Okay? Here's the deal. We've got to think long term when it comes to happiness. As I said, it would make me happier in the long run not to punch the person in the face. And that's the deal. When we're looking for advice from people, we need to make sure that the people we are asking questions are in it for our long-term happiness, not our short-term happiness. Rehoboam's friends gave him short-term happiness. How? Every guy wants to be the tough guy that no one messes with, right? So his friends filled his brain with tough guy advice. Scorpions, my finger thicker than my father's waist. I'm going to be bad. Well, at the cost of his long-term happiness, the kingdom was split and he lost most of the people in his kingdom. Don't trade long-term happiness for short-term happiness, for getting advice from people that are not concerned with what will happen to you following their advice 20 years from now if you make that decision. See, if you're really looking for advice, if you're really looking for wisdom, look to the person who cares as much about 20 years from now as they care about today and what's going on right now because you know what? There's going to be Jeroboam's out there waiting to take what's yours when you miss the advice that you should have followed. See, as I alluded to at the beginning of this message, Jeroboam was king, but his brother was hanging out there just waiting for one screw-up by his brother so that he could jump in and attack the situation, tear his brother down, and destroy everything that his brother was about to get. And see, when we're living our lives, those same things are standing out there waiting for us. For some of us at our job, there's maybe somebody who doesn't like us, who's just waiting for us to make one mistake so that they can pounce on us, so that they can go to the boss, and so that they can take you down. But even bigger in the spiritual world in which we live in, there's a Satan out there that is wanting and waiting desperately for you to screw up so that he can come in and so he can tear you down, pull you back, pull you down from where God has you for where God wants you to go and cause you to lose 10 of your 12 kingdoms just like Jeroboam did. Don't give in to it. Don't allow the Jeroboams the opportunity. Instead, look for places to get your advice that are wise, that is good counsel, that will take you for the long term, that will take you for the long haul, that will take you into the future and not destroy your future. And so heading into 2018, the question is, where are you at? Where have you been getting your advice from? Have you been getting your advice from the wrong sources? And as you look out upon your life, you're seeing the Jeroboams that have come in over and over again and jumped your situations and pulled you down. As we head into 2018, this is a year to make decisions differently. 
to do things in a different way so that God's hand, so that God's power, so that God's blessings can be on your life. And so that's where we're closing at this morning. If you guys could just put on some soft prayer music up there, we're just going to take a couple of minutes. And I just want everyone to search their hearts. I want everyone to think about 2018, 2017, advice that you'd received, how it's gone. Did you take it from the right place? Were you looking for someone who was only going to affirm what you said and give you the happiness? Or were you actually listening with open hearts, open mind, and open ears, wanting to know what the good, what the wise, what the thing is that God wanted you to do? And so we're just going to take a minute. You can just stay right where you're at, or you can come up front if you want to, but we're just going to take a moment and allow God, allow the Holy Spirit to search our hearts and see where we're at and possibly do some work in there if we need him to. Thank you for joining us on the FAM Church Podcast. FAM Church is here to connect people to Christ. If you live in or are visiting the Lakeland, Florida area, we would love for you to join us on Sundays at 10.30 a.m. You can also check us out online at myfamchurch.com. Thank you again and have an amazing day.